Welcome to Food and Loathing, your weekly celebration of the second deadly sin coming to you from the original Sin City, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm your host, Al Mancini, joined once again by my friend and colleague, OffTheStrip.com food writer, Samantha Gemini Stevens. Hello. Or Gemini is okay, right? Can yeah, I call absolutely. you that? Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, engineering all the fun, the maestro of the MP3, <laughs> the Dauphin of the decibels, <laughs> the inimitable Rich Johnson. Or as we uh, pronounced it in the late 50s when Renault was still ca- selling cars in the U.S., the Renault Dauphin. <laughs> <laughs> I think I first read that word in Huck, Tom Sawyer. I think Possibly. Used that. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, welcome back. It's good, good to have this little team together yeah. again for a second week. Good How is back. everybody? Fabulous. Fabulous. Got to go to a lot of places this past week. I know. We've yeah. been busy. We've all been pretty busy. And There's I know, a lot going on. Gemini, you got some things to head to straight from here. I do, yeah. So, um I've got some writing to do for Off the Strip, and uh, I've got some interviews I've got to do, and I get some articles in so we can talk some more. I've got some expansion stories coming up and uh, adding to that series. So, yeah, and then we ate a lot this week. So Cool. Well, we'll be hearing about that in just a moment. Um, we are coming to you for this entire episode from Island Sushi and Grill on Eastern Avenue in Henderson, where we will be speaking momentarily with their executive chef, Lee Villaloon. Not about sushi, but about the other Hawaiian cuisine they offer here. Because As in real Hawaiian cuisine. Real right. Hawaiian <laughs> cuisine, yes. Um, also joining us for that segment will be Chef Arnold Carpuz of Brezza, who was born in Hawaii. Because as a mainlander who has never been to the Aloha State, I have a lot of questions. And I don't have a lot of answers. So we need to pack, <laughs> I, pack I, the room I, with people who knew I, stuff about Hawaii. I share your shame. After a, 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 a native Westerner, I have never been over there. Oh, my God. Uh, other than a, a stop or two on a presidential trip back in my Fox days, like three hours on the beach at Waikiki and getting hammered at Don the Beachcomber and then back on the plane <laughs> for 10 more hours I don't know. I think that flying. counts. That counts. <laughs> oh, okay. So my husband and I have a rule. If you ate a meal there or slept the night somewhere. Or got hammered been, there. Or got hammered there in this case. There was yeah. a guy. We had we, we were had been coming from Australia and it was yep. a 10-hour flight and there was a guy on the trip who was from Australia but was covering, was stationed in D.C. and he went surfing at Bondi Beach that Saturday morning. Yep. And then we fly for 10 hours, and he goes surfing at Waikiki Beach. Absolutely. That Saturday morning. Oh, same, look at that. Same yep. day. We go to Australia wow. pretty regularly, and we've gone through Honolulu before. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't like the airport, but it's a great place to stop over. I've got to get there. The, the one time I was looking to go to Hawaii, I found out that Panama was a lot cheaper and had all the same stuff Absolutely. that I wanted to do. Ooh. So I went there instead. So, But I, I do need to get Noted. to Hawaii. Um, uh, but first, before we get to our all things Hawaii conversation, we're going to kick off this week's culinary conversations, as always, with a rundown of where we have been eating. Gemini, you want to start? Sure, yeah. So uh, it's only Wednesday, but uh, over the past weekish, um, we've done a lot. So Sunday, we went to Vegas Test Kitchen, and Chef Bobby of Instagram fame burgers, Stay Tuned Burgers, was doing a pop up. Uh, it's one of those things where if you know, you know, and he would put Ooh. it out on Instagram and pre-sell everything, and then you would show up on the appointed day and time and pick up your burgers. They're smash burgers. They're fantastic. They're lacy. They're crispy. They're still tender and pink in the middle. And he, I don't know what the sauce is, but it's amazing. He just calls it secret sauce, good old American cheese, and these great pickles. And super simple, super easy, and it was so fun. Um, I think it was a sellout crowd, nice. so totally, totally worth it. We all appreciate cheese. We've been down yes. to see the queen of cheese not far from here, mm-hmm. who's celebrating, as we record this, celebrating second anniversary. Yeah, yes. we're going tonight. But I have to say, there's something about American-style cheese food product <laughs> where maybe you can put the word cheese on, maybe not, depending maybe, yeah. on where you buy it. I think if you add on, the word product, it's okay. With a on, Z. That on a burger is, is sacred. It's it's, uh, yeah. yeah. So um, do you have to follow him somewhere on social yeah, media? Yeah, it's uh, Stay Tuned Burgers on Instagram. And, um, yeah, before he was just sort of, I would see all, all, all of our culinary friends posting about these amazing burgers. And, and uh, then he did a thing through Secret Burger and, and hosted it at VTK. And, yeah, 160 burgers, I think, went out that night. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it was from 6 to 9 p.m. And the, the house was packed the entire time. It How many cows awesome. is that? 
that is a good question. Just like because maybe a, they just could have been single burgers. They could have been double burgers. That's a lot of meat. <laughs> yeah, put a cow in a chipper. No, no. No, oh God, we'll no. Save that Chippers for later. today. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then um, I thought it was really interesting. We tried a new ramen place this week called Moco Ramen. Um, I actually think they have a little bit of a Hawaiian bend. Um, they use Spam if you want it. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, we're going to have to ask that's about a that. Yeah, you got to bring that up. That. Yes. Yeah. It's Hawaii. Come on. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they had a black garlic ramen that we really enjoyed. They had a yellow curry ramen that we really liked. Um, and, again, really kind of fusion, but um, not your typical Japanese. We just kind of found it by looking around for something different um, just down Charleston from where I live. And, yeah, it was really, really tasty. It's amazing how ramen, I mean, okay, it's been a long period of time, I guess, but it's probably only about a dozen years since, um, what is it, Manzu? Oh. Or Monza. No, Monta. 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 Excuse Monta. me. Wow, I'm having yeah. brain farts. This is an early morning <laughs> recording session. It is early. And I've already done a TV appearance today, so I apologize. <laughs> but um, where are we talking about? Monta. No, it was about a dozen years ago, Monta opened up here in yep. Las Vegas, and nobody had ever had ramen in Las Vegas that I knew outside of, like, you know, the ramen noodles that you right. eat when you're yeah. broken, stoned in college. And, um, you know, now ramen has just become a staple food. Yeah. I don't know if it's that way nationally or if it's just that, Las Vegas has a huge ramen love. I think it's, it is national, but I think Vegas really kind of holds it up above every, above everybody else. Um, You know, we've done a lot of traveling lately and, you know, you get these cravings, you look around. I have not seen a whole lot of ramen in other places and uh, not the way that Vegas does it. I know Morimoto has his ramen place, I think, in New York, and he had been talking for a long time about bringing it to Las Vegas. And we we spoke about that not long before the, um, before the pandemic. I mean, I think the problem was that it was too low of a price point for yeah. what people expect from a Morimoto right. restaurant, but I would love to see him do that as well. But there are plenty of others. So one more time, where's this joint that you uh, just It's discovered? on Charleston. Um, I forget the cross street. I do, but um, you the know. name again? Uh, it's called Moco Ramen. Moco. Yeah. How do you spell that? M-O-K-O. Cool. Yeah. I would have gotten that So wrong. black garlic ramen, get oh, the yeah. spam. Uh-huh. It was delicious. No, I will not get the spam. <laughs> Just stop it, all you I, people with spam. I, I still have a, a case of spam that's like one can short from my <laughs> COVID war chest of two years ago. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, we're never going to be able to go out again. You Let's never... go to Costco and buy four carloads of stuff. I think we did that, too. Yeah. So, still working on the pasta. Too. How yeah. bad was the COVID quarantine? Not bad enough that he had to eat all the spam. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly. that bad. He's like, shit, man, I'll, I'll risk it. <laughs> Any place else? Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, I went to Laneta yesterday in downtown Summerlin. Laneta. And uh, yes, they're related to, oh, I just lost it, um, on Spring Mountain. Uh, Mas Por Favor. Mas Por Favor, yeah. yes. And so it was really nice. I got to talk to uh, corporate chef Lanny Chin for a minute. He happened to be there when I popped in to see some friends who unfortunately couldn't meet me. So I took a bunch of food home, but it was really good. I took home guacamole with duck fat tortilla chips Ooh, and chicharrones. And I don't think I ever want to eat guacamole any other way again. Like, it was wow. so good. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, it's funny. If, if you don't mind if I no, interrupt please. here. No, um, I was on one of those Vegas foodie scenes, Vegas food scene, one of those Facebook pages, which, you know, I try to go on and I try not to be judgmental of other people's tastes. We all like our own things. There's too many people (laughs) trashing other people's opinions and people just like to trash places there. Everybody thinks that, you know, they're funny, but um, everyone ripping into Lynetta, like how bad it was, how they didn't like it, how the food sucked. And it just was one of these thoughts where I'm like... I've this only is had what, the snacks. No, everything there's fucking great. These okay. people are idiots. Okay, okay. I'm gonna make <laughs> that Say clear. It. Yeah, do it. But I mean, the problem is, I think, because they do not. Do, first of all, Mexicans one of those foods. When I look on Facebook pages, people always ask, "Where can I get authentic? Where can I get authentic uh, Mexican?" And I'm like, yeah, yeah. "You don't even know what that word fucking means." Exactly. Because like people who are born in Texas will tell people who are born in San Diego that theirs isn't authentic Mexican, and mm-hmm. none of them were ever born in Mexico. Yep. And you know, like the yeah. Americans have a really stupid idea of what is authentic, and the, it's also very regional. Like what you grew up eating as Mexican is what you think is the only Mexican. And a lot of people. Even a lot Mexican of, food is regional, though. So it's not going to be the same. It's very regional. It's a big damn country. It's, it's, it's two thirds the size of the mainland U.S. And the other problem is that a lot of Americans have only ever had inexpensive Mexican. Yeah. Mexican street food. Mexican street tacos. And that is amazing food, especially if you get it someplace mm-hmm. in Mexico or on a border town. Absolutely. It's going to be great. But, guys... 
you gotta broaden your idea of what Mexican people are. It's a huge country. Many wealthy people live there. Mm -hmm. Many people with very sophisticated palates live there. Many people who like high-end cuisine live there. And a lot of people just can't wrap their heads around an elevated Mexican restaurant. I think that's why, well, there's one of the many problems that happened with the um, the, the first place that opened at Wynn. It ended up turning into Casa Playa, but uh, oh, it was yeah. something else before that. Uh, but, you know, it was one of the best chefs in the world opening yeah. a Mexican restaurant. And Super it was so elevated. Yeah. But nobody wants it. So, look, here's the deal with Aneta. If you're going in expecting street food, you are going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to like it that they're doing elevated, but don't go online and say the food no, sucks because you just prove yourself to be an idiot. Yeah, we had the shrimp empanadas. We took home the shrimp empanadas, and the sauce that comes with that is fantastic. It's fatty and a little bit of maybe vinegar. I didn't ask what was in it. Um, there's some great pickled red onion on top, which is probably what contributed to the vinegar. Um, but it was a little spicy, a little fatty, um, kind of tangy. Uh, and then we also got a quesadilla. I added the lobster because why the fuck not? Why it, just, it, just, yeah, yeah. it sounded good yesterday. <laughs> um, and normally, you know, I'm not a huge fan of like lobster and cheese. So truffle mac and cheese and, or lobster mac and cheese, that kind of thing does not do anything for me. But this was so good, and they put, like, the cheese on the outside so it gets a little crispy. And we really enjoyed it. The only thing I didn't like was the truffle aioli. Um, they use the truff hot sauce. And as somebody who makes hot sauce for a living, among other things, um, I, it's, it's so chemical and it's so sweet, and it's just so weird to me. So I just avoided that and just used the empanada sauce, and it was fantastic. Cool. There yeah. you go. Okay, another ring endorsement from Lanetta. Absolutely. But, Boom. You know, and I guess that's why we're snobs and the people <laughs> on the Internet tell me all the time that I'm a snob. I'm going so. back for the pizzole this week, for sure. Mm. I saw it on the menu. and yeah. <clears throat> Tell Sue. She, Sue's a pizzole. Yeah? All right. She, she I'll give her a call. We'll have to go. Definitely. Rich, how about you? Uh, so, you remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about my first visit to uh, In-N-Out Burger in a couple of years. I found the burger as good as I remember. The fries as good as anything for about five minutes, and then they fall <laughs> off as uh, the temperature goes. Anyway, How long and, should it take you to eat fries anyway? Just chow them down. <laughs> I like to space them out. No, the, shove them uh, down yeah. your John, John needs the fries first. Uh, that's, that's probably the good way to go. At <laughs> anyway, I said I would compare and contrast with uh, my original, my OG burger joint, which is Five Guys. And I say OG because I was a Five Guys guy back when they had three shops in the northern Virginia suburbs of D.C. Yes, back in the early 90s. Yes, that's when I first had a Five Guys, yep. And that was the place. Now, of course, they're worldwide. I saw one in the middle town square in uh, Leicester, England, oh my years goodness. ago. <laughs> right next to Chef Marco White's place. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, back to Five Guys, as great as always, fresh ground beef cooked to order, a choice of more than two dozen condiments and sauces, my go-to is lettuce, tomatoes, fresh onion, not the cooked onions, mm -hmm. uh, mayo and ketchup, a little extra ketchup for the fries, which I might dip a bite or two in once in a while. And the fries do not fall off after five minutes. Cooked in the peanut oil, they're a bigger cut than in and out like maybe a quarter-inch uh, okay. cube. And um, they never fail to delight. You know, I, when I was with Las Vegas City Life, it was I was writing restaurant reviews, and it was at the time that a lot of out-of-state burger chains were opening here. I mean, we got yeah. White Castle during that time. Oh, yeah. We got Five Guys during that time. We got um, uh, just over and over. Uh, shake, shake and Steak. And, shake, yeah. Steak and Shake. Steak and Shake. Yep. All these. Yeah. And I came to the conclusion that you can't tell anybody that the fast food they grew up with that they've been separated from for about oh, yeah. a decade or more sucks, but it all does. And, but, <laughs> but it's okay because it is nostalgia and it brings you back to that time. You know, for me, people love White Castle and I'm like, yeah, because yeah, it brings me back to being stoned and wasted at 2 o'clock in the morning in New York or New Jersey. So and so those memories are great. Contrary but to the memory, food, in fact, sucks. I was yeah. a kid, and uh -huh. my grandmother would give us five bucks and send us down to White Castle in Minneapolis, Minnesota, yeah. and we would run down the street and bring back a, uh, what they now call a suitcase, but you'd bring back yeah. the bags of the White Castle, and they're gut bombs. They're horrible. Yeah, they're steamed but meat. Yeah, they're steamed but yeah. I absolutely have this special oh, sure. place in my right. heart for this horrible little bird. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. You can't tell anybody, especially in a city of expats, right, where yeah. we all have these food memories and then we're out here and then it takes, we usually live here for a few years and then suddenly they discover our market and mm -hmm. they come here and we all get super excited about it. Yeah. But in general, 
Eh. Yeah, it passes pretty Sucks. quickly. <laughs> some some sports bookie friends that I'm on social media with were contemplating other burger joints around the country that need to come to Las Vegas. Chief among them, Culver's, which is a great Midwest mm, chain. I've had the that, The Butter yep. Burger. And the one from Texas in the Southwest, Waterburger. Waterburger. Oh, we had Greasy mofo, yep. man. But, oh, it, it is good. <laughs> and being a Northwest guy, I would love to see Burgerville down here, which is a great sustainable organic joint, along with their usual cool. pet bonds. all right. But... <laughs> Probably not to be because they stay in their lane. For okay, you. quick question though, because you brought it up. Yeah. Raw onion or cooked onion, Al? On um, burgers? Yeah. Um, or any onion. Raw, yeah. raw on burgers, cooked on cheesesteaks. Okay. Yeah. Red yeah. or white? Either way. Okay. Now, um, red yellow. on gourmet burgers, yeah. white on fast food burgers. Like classic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. White it. raw on a, on a yep. burger. That's the one thing I don't like about animal style in and out. I like cooked onions. I do. Oh. But I want that crunch and that tang of the yeah. onion. So. Yeah, well. so we've been uh, glued to the uh, uh, congressional hearings on January oh, 6th. Yeah. And last week for the last big primetime hearing, we went uh, over to Monzu and got takeout yes. right after we had recorded. <laughs> sea bream for Joanna. Classic pizza for me. Grilled artichokes for both of us. Ooh. We had a nice mm. cheap bottle of red, and it was a good time. I went to um, a new place. I had a weekend breakfast at the Parkway Tavern which did a really nice breakfast. They do. Um, the and one in Tivoli. This was the one in Tivoli, ah, indeed. Yes. Um, they were also offering a special gas deal. I, I keep trying to find out if it's still on. Mm. Show a gas receipt of $50 or more, and I got $50 in match play on the video poker. Hello. Which, you know. <laughs> Who doesn't have a gas receipt for $50? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had one for exactly I just go out and buy, fill my lawnmower. And I didn't, and I, really, I didn't have the receipt. I just showed them. I, I fired up my bank account online thing and showed them the debit card entry. Oh, there you go. Entry, and they said, yeah, that's good. We'll take a picture of that. Did you end up winning or losing money? I hit quad fives, paid for my breakfast, 100% tip on the $10 sandwich and coffee, which is like $8 on weekday 6 a.m. happy hour, and I had 60 bucks to spare. You know, I should mention that um, Parkway Tavern is has a fantastic craft beer collection. They were chosen yes. by Bob Barnes to be on our on the Neon Feast app as one of the best craft yeah. beer bars in town. I have not been to the others, but the thing about the Tivoli thing that will bring me back is that it is not a totally enclosed, no. dark place, which we like sometimes, mm -hmm. but they have wonderful windows that mm -hmm. look out over. There's a Al Salito poster to the left, and there's Echo and Rig. Yep. Uh, and they've got patio area. I believe, yeah. that's, I believe that's one of Jonathan Fine's businesses, uh, Parkway Tavern. But a lot of those were were taken over were from taken other people. So that restaurants. one was a bottles and burgers. It started that off used to be yeah. as Bradley Ogden. Yep. And then Elizabeth Blau had that building yep. for a while, and then, and then Parkway went in. After. Yeah. Well, bottles and burgers was also part of the um, Double Helix family. But after Ray passed away and they weren't doing that great, they just decided to focus yeah. on Double Helix. That's that's interesting that two of the three anchors on that circle were uh, were restaurant killers. As you said, there's about three different places before Parkway mm -hmm. hit. And then the one before El Salido Posto. The, Brio. Yeah, Brio, well, big national chain. For years, died. Tivoli was a, a restaurant graveyard. I yeah. mean, it was it really not was. really a graveyard, more like where the ice flow that you push restaurants out <laughs> on to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Sam Marvin, really the only one at Echo and Rig who was able I to make it Sam. work in the early days. Yeah. And But since then, uh, both Jonathan Fine and Jeff Fine have come in there, and of course, James Trees being yeah. involved in there. And so a lot of people that know how to make restaurants work have moved into Tivoli, and they're crushing it these oh, days. Oh, they are. And they're bringing people to Tivoli, which is rising the, the entire tide. Yeah. Uh, one last thing to mention uh, I love me, of, of, of course, the downtown coffee shop diner Siegel's 1941 mm. in El Cortez I always go there like after I got my hair cut because I love the, the, the barber shop I've there. been to that barber shop I love uh -huh. it and uh, a perfect French dip sandwich mm. Fre freezer fries that were cooked to order that were actually just great okay uh, and um the only problem was my usual reliable video poker machine at El Cortez cleaned me out. So the money <laughs> I wanted at uh, Parkway ended up at uh, El Cortez. If you spend a lot of time down there, could you let me know when Seagulls, well, I guess I'll know as soon as Stone Crab season starts. But oh, yeah. We should go in there for the Stone, <gasps> yeah. Crab, yeah. Stone Crab season starts because right. that is a great deal. Okay. Um, did you also, anything else? No, no. Okay. Now, my turn. And we'll run through these because we're going on and on. <laughs> I love, I you guys have way great stuff to talk about. So, <laughs> um, On Friday, I paid a visit to Distill Summerlin location. I dig Distill a lot. Their team has been on this podcast. They're on the Neon Feast app. Is one of the best bets for gaming bar with great food. This time I was there to see a former Vegas Golden Knight and a current Vegas resident and brewer. 
Of course, I could only Ryan be talking Reeves. about Revo. Yes. Ryan Reeves was there to pour his seven five brewing companies beers for his legion of, I must say, mostly female fans. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I'm surprised by that. No, uh, he did take a minute to chat with me. Uh, just pouring some beer for some lovely ladies. Uh, you know, promoting the beer and having a good time, just back in the community. How many beers do you have now with seven five? Uh, we have five. We got a golden ale. We got uh, a lager. IPA, stout, and uh, a Blondale, but that's uh, just with MGM Properties. So how are you enjoying the brewing life? Brewing life's good. I mean, that's a, that's a side job right now. We're still a hockey player. <laughs> cool. And how's it feel to come back to Las Vegas and see all this love still? Oh, yeah, I love it. You know, I, I love this city. I love all the fans here. Um, you know, that's why I call this place home. Later that same night, I was craving sushi, so we paid a visit to Blue Ribbon Sushi Bar and Grill in Red Rock. Um, you know, and I, I didn't do anything fancy, just some sashimi and a touch of nigiri, but damn, those guys know how to do it right. I mean, it's amazing. That place on a weekend night, it is packed, and people are coming in and out. Yep. They are able to, there's not a long wait. No. They do their prep work well, ongoing all night, so that they have it there, it's ready. It doesn't feel like it's been sitting in a refrigerator all night, but you also right. don't have to feel as if you're waiting for them to cut each slice for the million people there. Yeah. So it's they run it like a smoothly running machine of a high-quality mm -hmm. restaurant, and bravo to them. I really like that place. Anybody else? You guys fans? Blue I Ribbon? love that place, yeah. yeah. I Been like there. going in there maybe before a show or even after a show, depending on what time it is, and just a couple of seats at the bar, get a couple of things. You don't have to go crazy, and it's always delicious. Yeah, the Brombergs, they rock it, man. I love those guys. So um, then on Saturday night, I headed up to the mountain for the first of James Tree's three meals for the Pine Dining Summer Cookout Series inaugural weekend. And I grabbed Chef James for a minute in between um, his two services. Having four chefs, all of them having event experience, it's really nice because we're able to roll the food out. It's a really cool space to create, too. Yeah, as you're concentrating on the logistics, everybody else who's here to have a good time is just awed by the setup up here. And um, it, you know, for whatever, whatever difficulties or challenges it may be, have been to bring it up here, it seems to be worth it, at least from a diner's point of view. From your point of view, what do you think, man, looking around here? It's an amazing setting. My dad used to play at the lodge, um, so it's it's really nostalgic to be up here. And then, thank God, I have my sister and everyone else who's like part of my family. Who like we're having like these crazy remembering times, and at the same time, we're putting out tons of food. <laughs> <laughs> and what? How do you feel about the general vibe of the crowd? People seem to be having fun, man. They look like they're having fun. Yeah, I hope they're uh, hope they're ringing up this bar tab so we can give some money to ALS. Why was it important to you to do this for ALS? Team Curtis. I mean, Chris Curtis was like one of the first amazing regulars we had at Esther's. And he was the first one to like get in the door at Ada's. And when we lost him, I feel like the entire culinary community of Las Vegas lost someone who was an advocate. And um, this is a way that I could advocate for him. And I'm really glad that he mentioned the ALS tie-in. And it's important to remember that all these events at um, Pine Dining, each one, when you buy drinks at the bar, the money is going to a different charitable event. Yep. Um, so bravo to them for um, helping out folks with yeah, ALS. Yeah, I like how he brought up Chris Curtis. Chris was big in the community. He was a huge supporter. He was everywhere and always had a smile. And, yeah, I miss that guy. Yeah. My hit two events on Sunday. And I have tape from both. <laughs> First, I paid a visit <laughs> to Bruce Coleman's Sunday Supper, an Italian barbecue mashup collaboration he threw with the team from Connecticut's Hoodoo Brown Barbecue and pastry chef Karis Kuwana, mm. whom I love. Yes. And I spoke to Bruce about that. You know, my world started out in Jersey. Italian food I cooked for years and years and years. Just recently, you know, the last few years, got into barbecue. And I thought fusing the two, to me, makes sense. And kind of showing off my past life showing off my roots and my soul um you know i and bringing a guy out from the east coast chris uh from hoodoo brown barbecue and kind of collaborating on some ideas you know and he he did this cacio pepe pasta with a cacio pepe beef rib that's just insanely delicious and then i made my sunday gravy with uh i made some smoke i smoked some semolina i made some smoked pasta for it and then it's baked like a baked ziti Lots of mozzarella and Parmesan cheese with garlic bread because you have to have garlic bread. It's all spruced up a little bit, you know, with, if, from a quality standpoint, it's a little different. The smoker is an incredible thing, and we can implement so many great things utilizing it. I think I'm most happy about the porchetta. 
my restaurant in Pasadena, I, I served a porchetta, it was on my menu. I served a ton of porchetta and I've been wanting to play around with smoking it. And you know, the problem is, is you need that heat to crisp up the skin. So I smoked it, cooked it most of the way and then finished it in the oven, really, really hot oven and got that skin to pop and I'm just super stoked about it. So will there be more of these, more collaborations, more Italian cuisine, um, you know, recurring thing maybe? Mark Marone and I have been talking about the idea, of course, just that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I mean, we're definitely, I'm doing more collabs for sure. And just kind of seeing, you know, who I'm collabing with and what makes sense for that concept. But I think it'd be fun, especially going into wintertime, to do like a Sunday supper here. I followed up that feast with a trip to Chinglish for their beer garden. As we've mentioned in the past here on the show, that event benefited a couple of local causes. One is Las Vegas Fire and Rescue's Charitable Foundation. The other is Women of Metro. So while I was there, Metro's Deputy Chief Sasha Larkin told me a bit about what Women in Metro is all about and how this event helps their mission. So the Women in Metro, we founded it in 2008 because we wanted two things. Number one, we wanted the community to know that the police department is made up of people that represent the community that we serve. Men, women, tall, short, black, white, everything. And we're really proud of what our organization does in the community. We do four major givebacks. Our biggest one that this is funding is we provide all the presents for Child Haven at Christmas. We've done it for 14 years and it's a huge extravaganza that lasts the kids all year long. And then within the organization, we mentor women coming up for promotion and transfers and different opportunities so they understand the road that lies ahead. Coming up in the news, a vegan wonderland on Fremont, opening dates for Martha Stewart and Brian Howard's Halfbird, and new dining options coming to Red Rock. But first, aloha from the Ninth Island. This is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. Aloha! Yes, we're coming to you from the Ninth Island. That is like a thing I didn't really understand when I first moved to Las Vegas. Everybody's like, you're in the Ninth Island, you're in the Ninth Island. And apparently it's because Las Vegas has such a, um, a strong Hawaiian community. I don't get out for Hawaiian nearly often enough. Uh, that's why I'm excited to be here at Island Sushi on Eastern Avenue. I came in here the first time because um, they were doing this Hawaiian donut eating contest. Oh. And I, I was reporting on that. And then I came back, Eric Gladstone, who's my publicist, also the this is for this restaurant, brought me in for a meal the other night. And it's so weird that I go into a sushi restaurant and I don't order any sushi because there's just so much <laughs> yeah. Hawaiian stuff on the menu. And that was new and exciting to me. And there aren't a lot of cuisines that after 20 years of writing about in Las Vegas that I don't know pretty well, like yeah. have, a, have a passing knowledge of. I'd say I'm fluent in most cuisines. I'm not fluent in Hawaiian cuisine. So this is the blind leading the blind kind of segment. Or actually, I'm the blind <laughs> oh, no. leading people hey, come on. who can see. This is the blind guy leading people who can see. So I'm going to um, kind of be laying low. So um, I brought this show, this episode here to Island Sushi so we could talk about what Hawaiian cuisine really is, why it's so popular here in Las Vegas. Joining us, we have Chef Lee Villaloon from Island Sushi. Um, 
Chef, if I get this right, you've been on board here since 2011? Yeah, that's correct. Awesome. So running the show. So good over a decade running this. So you've got to have a lot of insight into Hawaiian food. But I didn't want just one chef's opinion. Problem is, I don't know a lot of Hawaiian chefs, right? So I go on social media and I'm like, hey, did any of my friends grow up in Hawaii? And Nicole Brisson, one of my great friends from Brezza, says, well, we've got a chef, Arnold Corpuz. I probably mangled your name again there, Chef Arnold. I'm sorry. Um, But said that you'd be willing to come on. So we have one chef who cooks Hawaiian cuisine here in Henderson another chef who was born in Hawaii who is now cooking great Italian cuisine and of course we have Gemini who has been to Hawaii I have a couple times I've never even been to Hawaii oh, so I've been lucky to spend some time on Maui and time on Oahu Okay, so there are some people that can actually give me some insight and kind of <laughs> just teach me. So I really shouldn't be running the show. You guys should be running the show on me. So let's talk a little bit about it. First, some background here on um, Island Sushi and Grill. We are on Eastern Avenue just off the 215, that big stretch of Eastern yep. where all these restaurants are. Um, now, with sushi in the name of the restaurant, you assume that that would be your specialty. But, Chef, you have so much more going on here. Could you explain what you're cooking over here? Basically, it's a one-stop shop. Um, we got sushi. Our sushi are half off all day, every day, uh, including nigaties. Um, and then we also have the Hawaiian plate lunches, um, which is pretty popular in this part of town with the community. Um, we have a fresh poke bar. Serves poke by the pound, poke by the bowl, or however you want it. We'll definitely accommodate that. Um, we got a full bakery. Uh, we bake all our cakes, all our desserts in-house um so it's pretty much yeah one-stop shop and chef are you from hawaii originally yes born and raised in uh big island hawaii the big island okay is that the one i want to go to if i go to hawaii yeah, well, I'll take you there. Okay. Are we doing trip? a trip? A field trip? Yeah. Road trip. I keep saying that. I think that the, the Neon Feast model would work well in Hawaii for a lot of reasons. And the main reason being I just want to go to Hawaii and I start it there for a while. Um, so, Chef Arnold, your background, please. You, you grew up in Hawaii, Yeah, correct? I grew up in Hawaii. Uh, I left there probably 2000. Moved to San Francisco. That's when I started actually really, really going in depth in cooking. You, were you a working chef in Hawaii? I worked at McDonald's. Okay. <laughs> but I, I worked in, uh, in Hawaii. I worked in a French restaurant over there for a little bit and then left, went to Portland, San Francisco, and I'm in Vegas. So, Chef Lee, how about you? Did you cook in Hawaii? No, I actually left Hawaii my sophomore year of high school. Um, but I grew up around cooking, and then my first job was actual started as a dishwasher and then worked my way up to prep and then eventually became a walk cook. And then after high school, I kind of left the restaurant industry and I worked for retail, but that, were, that wasn't where my heart was. No. And then I ended up falling back into the restaurant and been in the restaurant since 2010. Actually. That's a yeah. common theme we hear with people everywhere. It, it was, I've tried to get out, but it just sucks <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. They <laughs> called me back. Yeah. Just like the mob. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I get a vibe from what I've been told because I have a lot of chef friends who have actually gone to Hawaii to cook and you know the Mina group has a great presence there so a lot of people that go out there whenever I ask them about it it I get a feeling that this scene there was very much like what it has been like and what it used to be like, at least here in Las Vegas, that everybody only focuses on the resorts. You're, you know, people go there and they only stay in the resorts. And then there's this whole undiscovered cuisine yeah. like yes. that's off in the fringes that most outsiders don't know about. Am I right about that? Yeah. Correct. Holding the walls. Yeah, the holding the walls. And that's, that's where you want to go. That's where you want to go. Yeah. So what? Uh, let's talk just, I guess, about some of the basics. You know, Hawaii being where it is, a Pacific island, um, an you know, American island, a place where there's a strong naval presence, certainly post-World War II. I'm sure it was a very active area there. Um, so a lot of different influences coming from Asia, coming from the American military, all kinds of things like that. The stuff that's been, and just tell me if I'm right or wrong, okay? You guys love spam? I mean, is that like yep. this? Yeah. Is, yes. Yeah. That's, that's the Hawaiian prime rib. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
what is going on with that? I mean, because that's the most known Hawaiian dish that I ever get anywhere. Is that, that people always want to bring me out spam masubi, right? Yes. And that's basically like a piece of nigiri sushi, <laughs> but with fucking spam. Yep. Like, and rice and really good uh, yeah. nori. And hopefully that rice has a little vinegar on it. Maybe some furikake. Yeah. You can, do, you can do so much at spam. Okay, now I'll tell you, growing up, growing up in New Jersey, um, hang, moving to New York, living in Brooklyn, we used to have on our roof in Brooklyn what we would call our white trash barbecue every year. And um, it was basically just like a lot of my friends who grew up in trailers or whatever, like, you know, it was all this stuff or my block parties in South Jersey, like all that stuff. And one of the big items was spam. Like that was that was just considered sort of like poor people food in where I grew up, which I thought was ridiculous because if you look at the price of Spam it's per expensive. pound, it's an expensive <laughs> it, is. it is. So I don't understand how it got that reputation, but that's how I knew it. But it always just struck me as kind of garbage meat. So am I wrong? Is Spam better than I think it is? Uh, to me, it's gold. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's gold. Yeah. yeah. You go back home in Hawaii, it's yeah. on Black Friday specials. Yeah, it's, it's everywhere, yeah. Now, this is sort of the reverse of everything we've learned about cuisine in the world is that people made do with what they had, what was native to the area. Spam, of course, being yep. more of a almost a symbol of colonialism or yep. of imperialism, the, mm -hmm. the Western, the U.S. Navy yep. bringing right, shiploads yeah. of that stuff. But then the people who lived there made it wonderful. Yep, that's what basically it is. And basically back in the day when the plantation times, you had all type of cities coming in, Koreans, Portuguese, Japanese, all at the plantations, and that's how Hawaii cuisine kind of made it unique, was just a mismatch of everyone's yeah. cuisine put together, and that's basically what Hawaii Which is a be. microcosm of the Hawaiian, which yeah. is a little west, a little east, a little southeast, exactly. everybody just jammed together. Exactly. Yeah. But... Pork is also real pork, not canned pork. <laughs> also very big in Hawaii, right? Like you guys do respect yes. the real pig before you pickle them up and put them in a can or Back whatever. home in Hawaii. Put, put them in a chipper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before oh you run God. them through a wood chipper and seal them up in can, right? I mean, pork's a big ingredient. I'm assuming pineapple's a big ingredient. What are some other big ingredients and big dishes that are that are either, I don't want to say native to Hawaii, because certainly the spam is not native, but that have become in, ingrained in Hawaiian cuisine? They're seafood. Lots of fish. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Can you? So, are you able to like just go out fishing and bring in yeah. decent fish when you grow up in Hawaii? No yeah. permits yeah. needed. No. Nothing. Yeah. You just go out and just <laughs> go fishing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. So what? Are, there's also the um. What is it? The Loco Mojo. Loco Mojo. Whatever it was from um the power. No, with the, the Loco Moco, right? Like that is one of the biggest sloppiest dishes that I've ever had in my life. And <laughs> can you guys explain that one too? I just want to give people an idea of what they're gonna encounter if they go into a Hawaiian restaurant? Basically yeah. a bed of steamed white rice, two hamburger patties, gravy, and eggs any way you like it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. You can do it with spam too if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course. Why not add spam? <laughs> what about, I mean, is there... You know, everybody knows, like for example, Roy's, right? You know, he, he made a huge thing by coming to America, coming to the mainland, excuse me, and um, you know, <clears throat> popularizing what he called Hawaiian cuisine. Is that is, is what he brought to America? Is that traditional of what Hawaiians eat? I think I, it's more of a fusion. Right? More fusion, yeah. Because I, I worked at the Roy's down here when they, before they closed down. It was more fusion. It was like like what you were saying, all the cultures put together. It was that, yeah. Okay. But more high end, kind of. Right. Yeah. Is, is it a point of pride or is it a point of shame when you look at uh, classic joints like uh, Trader Vic's and Don the Beachcomber? Or is that sort of, have we passed that by now? I think with food, it's, it has to evolve. Yeah. And it can't stay in one area and has to expand. But losing that traditional, authentic part of it, I think it's the more important part where it stays. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we talk about the hole in the wall places. Is they keep it, they keep it original. authentic and yeah. original. They don't get corporatized. They don't no, get tourist no, no, yeah. driven. No, no, that, yeah. Yeah. Is there though? Is there an elevated Hawaiian cuisine? Are there places when you are on the islands of Hawaii that you could go for a? $250 tasting menu and it is traditional Hawaiian or what you, you get the yeah. point that I'm trying to make no not so much it's hard to find that yeah. now yeah really yeah. yeah okay and traditional Hawaiian home what, what's mom making for dinner on a you know Saturday or Sunday supper for the whole family uh, I could range from everything beef stew yeah. to 
it depends on what home you're in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was more like a Filipino home. So yeah. it was always Filipino food. Yeah, Filipino food. Yeah. Okay. Which is really, really popular in Hawaii also, yeah. So the Hawaii melted, the melting pot only melted so far. There's still Filipino-centric Hawaiians, Japanese-centric Hawaiians, Chinese-centric yeah, Hawaiians? Correct. Yeah, correct. Okay. Okay. So poke, you do a lot of pokes here um, at Island Sushi. Could you tell me a bit about your poke program? Because it's the first thing, one of the first things I noticed when I come in at the wall, there's kind of a chalkboard and yeah. there's your pokes and you sell them by the pound and stuff like that. You know, and now poke, of course, is... I think most people are familiar with it, and we've even done fast food versions of poke restaurants. So, you know, and you can get it at like um, T Mobile Arena, you can get a poke bowl, right? So that's a little weird. But, um, you know, poke is is the Hawaiian spin on whether it be a ceviche or, you know, basically marinated raw. You don't want to call it raw because it's been cured in a marinated yeah. fish. But what, what separates a poke, ingredient wise, from, say, a ceviche, which is a South American dish? Uh, poke doesn't really have citrus. Yeah, no acid in there. So yeah. ceviche usually has citrus to kind of cook the protein a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, poke is more on the raw sti stage. But we do have options where the seafood is not raw. We have taco, which is octopus that's cooked, uh, mussels. But if people want their poke fried, which people sometimes... <laughs> fried poke? Yeah. Fried? It's a thing in Hawaii. Fried poke. Yeah. Oh, I man. Oh, it's not really fried. It's pan-seared. So you guys have both seen that? That's yeah. A, yeah. Okay. People ask That's right. a thing in Hawaii. Yeah. That doesn't happen on the mainland that I've ever seen. Have you seen it here? No. Hardly. <laughs> that is the first time I've ever heard of that. Wow. Seared tuna is seared tuna. I've yeah. never thought about searing my poke. Well, we try to keep it, again... Authentic. Authentic. <laughs> Back home in Hawaii... There's no build your own poke kind of thing. It's right. buy it by the pound, or we can put in a bowl for you over rice, uh, mixed greens, or stuff like that. So, what are the main? If somebody wants to make poke at home, is there like a quick recipe that you could give them? Is there something like you just need these four or five key ingredients, and you're going to have a solid poke? Or do you really do you have to be a master of it in order to create it? Uh, not really. Really not. No. Just uh, soy sauce. <laughs> soy sauce, Hawaiian salt, yeah. onions, green onions, this fish. Yeah. You're set. Yeah. 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 Not that hard. That'd be your basic no. poke. Yeah. But so then the, the fish is not in any way cured. You're not using citrus no. to no. do that, no. right? No, so not that, no. Obviously, the freshness of the fish becomes, I mean, fresh ingredients always important in any cuisine, no matter where. <laughs> but the freshness becomes far more important if you're not curing it in any way. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. What are, Now, let's talk about those donuts that I came in. Now, because those are a South American dish. Remind me of the name of those bad boys. Masadas. Masadas. Yeah, I had to memorize that because I was on like five news shows that week talking about them. And, of course, it went right in one ear, out the other. <laughs> um, but I came in, I had some. T tell people what those are all about. They're basically Portuguese donuts. Um, again, introduced during the uh, plantation times. And um, Hawaii kind of took that and kind of made their own recipe and ever since there's a lot of places trying to improve it or make it their own with different ingredients and different um, cooking methods but it's pretty much a Hawaii staple. What do you guys fill yours with? Uh, right now we have guava custard, chocolate, halpia which is coconut, uh, guava custard and our flavor of the month is pineapple custard. Okay. Um, so that's, I mentioned, I alluded when we first started this segment that people call Las Vegas the Ninth Island. And I know that there are certain casino companies that, you know, like Boyd for Boyd. a while, mm -hmm. did huge marketing efforts in Hawaii. Why is, why is Las Vegas considered kind of a second home to so many Hawaiian natives? It's crazy. All what, my friends. What brings Hawaiians to Vegas? It's uh, probably the, the gambling. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's cheaper out here because yeah. it's so expensive in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. Because I know, I think it was something as like 2018 or something, there was 50 to 75,000 Hawaiian, native Hawaiians living oh, yeah. in Las Vegas. Yep. And there are no casinos in Hawaii. No, no. But we love to gamble at home, too. <laughs> That's one big thing, yeah. Big underground gambling scene. Yeah, underground scene. A lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Is it, when, when, when Hawaiians come to Las Vegas, is it a big expatriate kind of community? Because, you know, it's a little different than when immigrants come from another country, mm -hmm. speak a different language. They definitely cluster together, you know, for, it's just a sense of community. But clearly, Hawaii being a United State and, for, and has been for a very long time, everybody speaks English. I would assume that, um, you know, when Hawaiians come to, um, to come to the mainland, especially Las Vegas, that they just sort of assimilate directly into the culture. Yeah. Are there pockets of like Hawaiian culture here in Las Vegas? 
Um, I know there's like a few events that happen, you know, once or twice a year that brings outside vendors from Hawaii, and um, pretty much that was pretty much brings the Hawaii community together. Um, I know there's other groups out there, probably I don't know about, but mm-hmm. there's quite a lot of events that happen in Vegas that brings that community together. So, cool. and I know other than here at Island Sushi, there there's a handful of dedicated Hawaiian restaurants yeah, here in town, is. right? I mean, do you find it hard, other than here, finding other places where you guys can get good Hawaiian cuisine when you're craving it? Uh, not really. See, they have a little kitchen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or at home, oh, make, it yourself. make it yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's not the same as back home. No. Yeah. Do no, you guys, uh, Chef Arnold, same. do you have a favorite Hawaiian restaurant in uh, Vegas? Other than the one we're sitting in right now, which is everybody's <laughs> favorite right now. That's right. <laughs> I can't answer that. <laughs> 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 Probably Ohana's. We always go to Ohana, me. And where's that? Was it Rainbow? Rainbow and Windmill? Okay. Yeah, so it's, that's pretty good. Cool. Um, Go-to dish there? A Locomoco. Locomoco. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Locomoco guy, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. man. Uh, I don't know. That was a bit too much for me. We also, one, one thing dish I had here was um, the Mochico chicken, right? And that's another traditional dish that I see yeah. around a lot. Could you describe that dish to people? Tell them about it. It's basically a soy marinated chicken thighs. Um, as soy, garlic, ginger, sugar, and it's uh, coated in uh, rice flour. Rice flour, yeah. Yeah, that's a really excellent spin on fried chicken. That <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I've had that at a few places here in Las Vegas. Uh, Chef Arnold, let me ask you this because you work on the Strip right now. Um, you know, we talked about Roy's being more of a fusion restaurant. And Las Vegas is known for fusing a lot of cuisines. And generally, I think the world in general right now, there are a lot of influences brought in from everywhere. And, you know, that's just part of the beautiful thing that we've all, we, we're so much more culturally aware in the culinary world these days. But when you're work, walk, working in any strip restaurant that you've ever worked at, has there ever been an opportunity to bring Hawaiian influences into whether it be an Italian restaurant, a French restaurant, a, you know, whatever? Pretty much all my crudos is pretty much inspired from when I'm back home. Like the, like the way I'll do it, like the way I put ingredients in there is like more like what I learned in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, not, to, not to overpower anything else because that would be the highlight. Um, so no, I'm not going to taste like you can't tell me like some dish that's on the menu at Brezza that's like, oh, I added a little Hawaiian touch here or one that you did at another restaurant you may have worked at. Um, actually the crudo right now that, we, that I'm doing over there, I did, I did like a Hawaiian touch and also, um, the ceviche over at Barzazu. Okay. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Our, our, our new tartar, yeah. I did a Hawaiian touch in that also. Okay. Yeah. So it is kind of filtering through and people, people respond to it, right? Yeah. It's, it's nice. She lets, she lets me go. When it comes to crudos and stuff, yeah. Chef it's Nicole? Nice. Yeah. 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 Poi. What the fuck is poi? <laughs> How about yeah, that one? Yeah. I got to get that one out Age there. Age-old question. I'll tell you, when I was like, when I was in kindergarten, we did a luau. I'm sure, if I were to look back, I'm sure it was horrifyingly racist. At the, but, yeah. you know, this was, you know, 1972 yeah. or whatever. I was in kindergarten. But I remember we did a luau in my kindergarten class, and we had poi. But, of course, they just made us, like, vanilla pudding. And, you know, we ate it with our fingers. Yeah, so I, I thought poi was, like, the most awesome fingers. thing, right? Yeah. And then I don't think I've ever had had real poi in my life so could you explain what poi is <laughs> it's pretty much mashed up taro yeah. root uh-huh. um that's pretty much like a hawaiian mm-hmm. starch mm-hmm. yeah it's this gray purple beige sort of paste and i mm-hmm. know some people think it's horrible but if you give it to me with the right dishes especially it, if it you're doing well with fish like yeah. yes with fish yeah, or the pulled well. pork in the yeah. leaves at a, at a luau mm-hmm. or a home cookout or something it's fantastic does anybody know any place in las vegas where you can get poi we got it here. You got it here? Yes. Okay, cool. Want to try some? I mean, I'm going <laughs> to Absolutely. Yeah, there was none on my dish the other don't, day. Don't we love food that's based on a dare? <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me. I've had far stranger things than that on a dare. Um, okay, I mean, look, I think we gave people a little insight into it, you know, into at least that this cuisine is out there, that it is well represented here in Las Vegas. Uh, anything else that you guys want to add about what people really need to know about the um, the cuisine of the place you were born come give it a try yeah. you won't be disappointed yeah you know? it's real yeah it's real the... simple and real good yeah cool rich anything can i have some yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 I know, i'm looking at this menu i'll right. whip up some yeah. of you guys for you guys real quick <laughs> okay well the news is next this is food and loathing that antiquated sound effect means it's time for the news 
station, Christina has made headlines. Classic. It's classic. Classic. Yeah. It's throwback. I was say, are we going retro yet? Retro throwback classic. Lots of words for old. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Station Casino has made headlines this week by announcing a series of upgrades to their crown jewel. That is the Red Rock Resort. I spoke with that resort's VP of Guest Experiences, Joe Yalda, about what's coming up. We are all so excited. We're welcoming Lotus to Siam and then their company, Bua Food Group. They're not only coming with their flagship restaurant that's been in Las Vegas for so long, but they're also bringing Noxos Taverna, a Greek restaurant, and then Callisto, an oyster bar that's coming. And then something that's not only semi-food related is we're having a new Ultra Lounge going to be announced, and then we have an adult-only pool attached to it. So definitely some new amazing changes coming to Red Rock. Yep. And and something on the sweet side too, right? Yeah, who doesn't love dessert? So we're, we're going to have Nielsen's Frozen Custard, another local family-run business that's going to be a part of our, our casino. With regard to the oyster bar, Station has so many really, really popular oyster bars. I mean, particularly the one at Palace Station that everybody waits online forever to get into. But this is going to be a slightly different concept run by a different company. And in what way will it be different from what people are used to? Definitely different than the traditional oyster bar that we have and our flagships are known for. Um, this is going to have a little bit of a Mediterranean twist to it. And it's coming from Bua Food Group. This is their newest concept that they're going to debut here. And what are we looking at for opening dates on these? So we're going to be opening later this year. Our target is Q4, and then our lounge will open next year. None of these are replacing existing venues, correct? Well, so they are going to go into our existing buffet space. This is our new evolution to the customer experience we have here at Red Rock Casino. Does that mean buffets are definitely gone for good at station casinos? Um, I can't say that they're gone for good. I know they're gone for the moment, but what's nice is all these new exciting venues that are coming in will definitely replace that hole that everyone was missing. So I think the interesting thing there is really that um, that the Oyster Bar is a little different. It's going to be, and the Oyster Bar and the Greek restaurant both coming from our friends at Lotus of Siam. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of cool, and I'm excited to see what they're doing. I'm and, um, super excited for Lotus to be so close. Oh, I mean, gosh, I can, yes. I can ride my bike yes. down there. <laughs> <laughs> you can't um, walk there like you can to Chinglish. <laughs> I mean, I could, but, you know, it's summertime, so it's hot. So, <laughs> oh, No, super psyched about that. Um, also, if you're looking for something to do this weekend, the Vegan Wonderland pop-up market is coming to Fremont and 8th. It's a, it's a lot directly east of the downtown Container Park. It's this Saturday from 6 to 11 p.m. I spoke to its creator, William Hummins, about what people should expect from the event. We'll have DJs, live bands, we'll have a vendor, taco cook-off, we'll have a rhythmic yoga and drum circle experience, and just live music and all free vegan vibes, free. It's absolutely free fun from 6 to 11. And then what about the food? We have sweets and treats, all vegan street food, from tacos to chicken wings to cheeseburgers, all be street food, vegan street food. And we'll have some ice cream, vegan ice cream, vegan cookies and donuts, and the funnel cakes, all, all everything vegan. And a bit of restaurant opening news. I received a couple of emails on that front yesterday. First, I was invited to a grand opening party for the Bedford by Martha Stewart. That is set for Friday, August 12th at Paris, Las Vegas. And then Brian Howard's Halfbird has officially announced. Officially. That yeah. means it came in an email. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from a publicist. Uh, August 8th <laughs> is their opening date. So, I mean, we're, we're psyched for all of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Rotisserie chicken. Actually, as we tape this, I'll be doing a rotisserie chicken tonight on my rotisserie. and We've got it down pretty well, but I'll bet Brian can do it better. I'm guessing Brian may do it a bit better, but I don't know. I don't know. I haven't had yours, and your wife is a fantastic chef. She is indeed. I am looking forward to Halfbird. They did the pop-up at VTK for sort of getting it out there and trying it out. And I got to tell you, I am not a huge fan. Uh, We've talked a little bit about vegan before. I I love a vegan meal, but I'm not a huge fan of, of making traditional things like, say, a fried chicken sandwich in this case into vegan food like it just doesn't always translate very well and in this case i actually asked them if they gave me the wrong sandwich because it was that good (laughs) he did a vegan sandwich he did a vegan chicken sandwich for the pop-up i don't think i ate that one it was delicious i don't usually go there but i have to tell you it was i i thought i had the wrong one i mean i i had the sandwich at um the the vegas unstripped festival the first time that it it out which was great that was the premiere had it again at vegas test kitchen mine was all dead bird yeah (laughs) Uh, i don't believe i ate a vegan one that day well i had Um, the dead bird ones too but you know 
Um, okay, also coming up, so classic French meets modern Spanish next month at Le Cirque. Chef Damon Evers will host Danny Yedo of Washington, D.C.'s Chiquette on August 5th and 6th. The two will serve up a seven-course dinner for $225 per person, and you can add a wine pairing for another $185. Also at Bellagio, the current exhibit in the conservatory is called Jungle of Dreams, and if it's ever been your dream to have dinner in the conservatory, now you can. They've set up a single table, seating six, inside the jungle. You can reserve the table for a five-course family-style dinner served up by Michael Mina's Seafood Restaurant, or Sedell's Cafe is offering a brunch for six. The Michael Mina dinner is $250 per person, and the Sedell's brunch is $75 a head. You can make reservations on the Bellagio website. i got to say, this is probably something I would never do, but I sure like the idea of it. Right? I've always wanted nice. to like sit in the middle of that and eat. I, yeah. I might, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this. I This is the first time I'm hearing the prices on yeah. it. Um, but I, first of all, I think that $75 brunch is fantastic. That's probably right? a good value. Yeah, I would yeah, probably spend that. that in another place having a decent brunch. So Yeah, and I have no problem spending $250 a head on a Michael Mina dinner. No. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, exactly. it's pricey. It's the pricey end of what I would spend at Michael sure. Mina. I don't spend that every time I would go to a Michael Mina. Right. But um, I, I just think it's going to be impossible to get a reservation. That's the hard part. And yeah. I really almost feel like, you know, th that is just a, a vacation thing that you do or that is a, a, a you know. It's a destination thing. Yeah, that's a destination yeah. deal. I almost feel like, you know, but I, I know Sue's going to want to do it because Sue calls that conservatory <laughs> her happy place. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just whenever she's if she's ever in a shitty mood, I'll just drive her to the strip and there walk her go. through the conservatory. Through the <laughs> um, but I mean, seriously, bravo to them for doing that. I just think it's absolutely fantastic. And real quickly, some great news for Henderson. Our friend Sonia El Nawal is going to be bringing her Lower East Side inspired bodega bagel to Henderson in partnership with the Lev Group. You may remember that one from the Vegas Test Kitchen. Sonia's been around Las Vegas for a while, done some amazing things. Her bagels are fantastic. I don't have any details on where it will be or when it is opening, but we do know it's going to Henderson. And I'm trying to get Sonia in here as quickly as I can to give us more details. So this is more rumor than news, but something I will attempt to confirm or deny by our next episode. The uh, Faces and Aces podcast says Wynn is no longer offering the Sinatra Smash, what? or at least it doesn't have it on the menu. Now, I recall many years ago, because I was a big fan of Sinatra in my early mm. days, I got to know one of the bartenders there who was also a, a sports gambler. The restaurant. The restaurant. <laughs> Sinatra the restaurant, yes. And I remember he said that, Every bar in the Win Encore complex had to have the ingredients for the Sinatra smash on hand, so ordered by Steve Wynn himself. And as we know, Steve had to leave the building uh, for some <laughs> unpleasantness a few years ago. Uh, the ingredients, though, a shot and a half of Gentleman Jack, vanilla-infused simple syrup, creme de cassis, sweet and sour mix, and four fresh blackberries. Mm. I have enjoyed You're making people crave a drink they can't have. I know. <laughs> well, I think it's it's probably it's got to still be a Sinatra. It would not be Sinatra the restaurant if it did not have the Sinatra smash. Even though if Sinatra himself saw that drink, he'd say, "Oh, is this some kind of fag drink? What is this kind of thing?" No, <laughs> sorry, but, you know, uh, <laughs> that's just now my, I'm getting me too by yeah. I know. <laughs> this is me channeling the ghost of Frank. This okay. is not I get it. Okay, okay. Yeah. but but I love it, and I've had many of them, and God, they go down. Way too mm. easy. Well, uh, first of all, I, I felt your pain when you wrote this in the notes, right? Okay. So, and, and I felt a little sad for you because there's so many great cocktails over there, and you need to go and drink Marina Mercer Barini's yeah. Yeah. cocktails and go up to Overlook Lounge, and you will never miss anything that may be missing. But I felt your pain, Rich. Okay. I read it. I read it through my, my computer when I was reading the notes, and I messaged Marina, who is the yeah. lead bartender over there. She, I believe, is down in New Orleans right now. She hasn't gotten back to me yet. Okay. So um, I did this in the wee hours last night. We're now in the early morning so she's not gotten back to me she is in new orleans or maybe she's traveling so i will get an answer for you on that one if she yeah. comes back to me but what i will tell you is the cocktails since marina mercer barini has taken oh. over the cocktail program at win are phenomenal they could have kicked every cocktail off the old menu and it would have been fine especially at overlook lounge where she finishes them all with that little disco proof dust. of um oh no is the disc called no she uses her electro dust yeah, on dust. some things but no at overlook lounge she spritzes them all with edible perfume at the end and Whoa. she's created different edible perfumes for Hello. each cocktail and i'm she is such a rock star oh she's my gosh a genius so I, i'm never gonna miss no sinatra smash as long as i got marina mixing <laughs> stuff but for you rich i am checking thank you 
you. That one. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Early warning, November, I'm going to New Orleans for a long weekend for a wedding. And I've never really spent any time in New Orleans and staying pretty much in the French Quarter, which because that's all New Orleans is. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Vegas is only the strip. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and I believe that. I've I'll, got a I'll be looking for recommendations. New Orleans, the only uh, city, the only city on earth where I have ever gone. Okay, this scene is out of fucking control for me. I have to get out. <laughs> I have to get out of this room wow. now. We're all ending up in prison for long periods. I've done. Of time. I've done, I've done uh, Halloween in New Orleans, so it's like Mardi Gras light. Yeah. Uh, it's still pretty intense on its own. Um, I've been down there at all kinds of times of year. I, I love it. Let's go. I've done. New, <laughs> I've done New Orleans for a lot of holidays, and I had a friend that lived down there, and they were my most decadent friends that lived down yes. there. And you can imagine my group of friends. Oh yeah. If I'm calling people the most decadent <laughs> okay. I've ever been. And I'll now I'll, I'll tell you that story off mic because we're yeah. just going too long. <laughs> that is about it for this episode of Food and Loathing. Thanks to all of our guests, Lee Villaloon and Arnold Corpus, as well as Bruce Coleman, James Trees, Joe Yalda, Ryan Reeves, Sarah Larkin, and William Hummins. If I forgot somebody's name, I apologize. A big thanks to Gemini for co-hosting this week. You can read her work at offthestrip.com and onthestrip.com, and you can follow her on social media at Wishbone and Vine. Thank you. Please tell a friend about Food and Loathing. Spread the word on social media. Just search for Food and Loathing. And if you have a question or comment, reach us direct or reach Al direct. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, download the Neon Feast app and use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whatever you want, you will find it at Neon Feast. And if you're more about the laptop and the phone, just head to neonfeast.com. And if you've been listening to this podcast week after week, just picturing me as this studly, beautiful, gorgeous human being based on my voice, well, it's time to sadly disappoint you. You can tune in to the CW Las Vegas every other Wednesday morning at approximately 8.15 and see what I really look like. Today, Dana Wagner was betting on what color my hair would be when I walked in, I was told, with his producer. Um, so, yes, check me out on the CW on Las that? Vegas. Yeah, apparently they gamble on my appearances there. And all weekend long, it is the Neon Feast update on The Vibe. 99.7 in Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert. 98.9 down on the Colorado River. With producer Rich Johnson and Samantha Gemini Stevens, I am Al Mancini. Stay hungry. 